Father, I thank you. I thank you for all the details of our life that you're in. I thank you for the places that you're journeying us and taking us. And Father, I thank you that right now you would come. You've already been here. You're already here moving in our, in our midst. You're already touching lives. Father, today in the prayer, I heard miracles, signs, and wonders. I heard you were coming and touching families. You were going to come and heal the brokenhearted. You're going to lift off burdens. Father, I heard it in our worship today, Lord. You're the one who takes off the burden. You're the one who brings us into Jubilee, which is the freedom of debt. But it's not just the freedom of debt, Father. It's the increase. It's the moving us forward into our promise, into the inheritance that you've given us. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your son, Jesus, that's right now. He's right there in the midst of us, moving by the power of the Holy Spirit to touch and heal lives and to have an effect. Father, I, I want to thank you that, that as the word goes forth today, that you will move in the midst of us and you will touch lives and you will take each person and then free them into a new place inside of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as it's real easy to figure out Pastor Steve's not here <laughs> because I'm here. And I always feel like the substitute teacher in junior high, you know, who comes in and has to, you know, try to take the class that now all of a sudden realizes, hey, the teacher's not here. We get to do whatever we want. Now, how I'll be honest, every single substitute teacher I ever saw, that was my first thought. I'm like, this will be great. We're getting nothing done today. You know, I remember a time we took a substitute teacher and we were so bad, we were so out of control that halfway through the class, it was a class, a drafting class, it was an elective. We, could, we elected to be there and we still treated this person so bad. Somebody in our class lit a book on fire and threw it out the window. And about halfway through the class, the teacher was just, he, he was just breaking down. So he just didn't know what to do with us. So Father, I ask you to forgive me for every single time I treated somebody in a manner that wasn't right and that. So I know you won't do that today. Please, nobody light their Bible on fire, okay? I know it's a lamp unto our feet, but let's not light it on fire today, okay? I'm asking you, please, okay? So this week, as I was kind of just going over Scripture and listening to God, there's a, there's a place in Acts chapter 1. Now, you all know that we just finished Easter, right? I had someone last night tell me that Easter is like the Super Bowl for the church. <laughs> Think about that. It's like the Super Bowl. It's the day that the church waits for, right? 
It's the culmination of all the gospel. It's the culmination of Jesus's and boom. And I was thinking, wow, I never thought of it like that. We just, we just went to the Super Bowl, right? And that, but now there's something that's happening. Now the between Easter Sunday, right? From the day the Lord rose from the dead until 50 days is, is like, you know, at the end of the Super Bowl, they always take the MVP, the, the most valuable player, and they get him and they take him aside, they give him, they give him something, and then all of a sudden they give him a trophy and that. And they say, what are you going to do next? Right? You ever see that commercial? No, you guys don't watch the Super Bowl on YouTube. <laughs> well, the next thing that happens is he says, he says, I'm going to Disneyland. Or if he's from the South, he says, I'm going to Disney World. Right? So he's going to go take a journey. So we're right now in the midst of a journey between Easter Sunday, our Super Bowl, and Pentecost, 50 days later. Which I, I'm not sure which one is, is a greater expression of how much God cares for us in that moment. Maybe that's, that, must, that maybe is the, you know, the NBA finals for us. I don't know, but I know I'm losing you. Talking too much sports. I've left the Holy Spirit didn't leave. But I've been just meditating on what Jesus was doing. And in Acts chapter 1, in verse, um, let me find it here real quick. It's not there. I actually do know where it is, but I'm used to reading it on my phone and in my notes that I didn't I didn't highlight it in my actually on the Bible. Oh here. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse... Let's start in verse 1. There, the former things I made, accounts I've made, O Theophilus, of all, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day he was taken up, after he threw the Holy Spirit, he gave commands to the apostles whom he had chosen, whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of all things pertaining to the kingdom. So that last line there, he started speaking of all, he showed himself with infallible proof and then he was speaking of all things pertaining to the kingdom. So I started looking back on the scripture from Easter Sunday and started just asking the Lord to speak to me and say, what are you showing me of the kingdom and what is the infallible proofs of who you are? Okay? So Luke 24 is there's you know there's four gospels and there's four separate accounts of Jesus's resurrection. I want to start in Luke 24 and it says now on the first day of the week 
very early in the morning. Right? Say very early in the morning. Right? Sometimes for me, I have to break out of my schedule and get to an uncomfortable place to go and find Jesus. Okay? So, certain of, certain Mary and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared and they found the stone had been rolled away and they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So, first thing, first thing that kind of noted to me that was different about it. They went to find his body. Right? They went to find his body. They didn't go to find him raised from the dead. They went to find his body. So the Lord was speaking to me and said, you know, every time you come to me out of your tradition or out of your circumstance or out of the place that you bring a thought of the way I will do or the way I will be. He goes, he goes, I have to change you. I have to come to you and change your thought. I have to change. First thing he has to do is change the way I'm thinking. Because I've already come looking for a body and the body's not there. He wants to show me something new. So every time I come in prayer and worship, every time I come in the midst of something and I bring my tradition or I bring a circumstance or a situation and I come with that, he has to totally take time to change me to think differently to what he's, he wants to, to talk about, what he wants to do, okay? So again, I'm going to refer to me. If you agree, feel free to... To, to shout amen or something. Okay? So it came to the... And it happened that as they were greatly perplexed about this, and behold, two men, that weren't men, they were angels, stood by them in shining garments. See, right there, I would have... I, uh, that would have been enough. I don't know about you, I've not come to church on Sunday morning and stood in my, came to stand in my spot and to worship and had two angels just appear. And, and they actually saw the angels because they thought they were men. Okay? That, again, I, I would have thought that would have been enough. But they didn't. The angel said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? And he's not here, he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Right? That's an exact quote of what Jesus said in Matthew 17, 22. Jesus said that exact quote. He told his disciples, he goes, I'm going to Jerusalem. I will be delivered unto sinful men. I will be crucified. I will be killed. And I will be raised, on the, raised from the dead on the third day. So it wasn't like they didn't ever hear it and they were somehow being going to have to 
remember something they never heard. And again, in, 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 in Mark's account, Mark 9.30, he says the exact same words again. So whether that was the exact same time or whether it was different, Jesus was trying to make it clear that I am going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to be raised from the dead. And yet they were perplexed. So Father, I thank you for every time I've come to seek you and I was perplexed or I brought my stuff and I didn't come remembering your word. I ask you to help me to remember your word. So here's the next verse, verse nine. And they remembered his word, right? Then they turned from the tomb and they took those things. Basically, Mary Magdalene and the rest of them hightailed it back to the upper room where they found Peter and James, John, the rest of the disciples, and they tell them what had happened, right? They said, we, we, we went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. We couldn't find his body, but two men were there. And, and I, think, I think they might've been angels because they reminded us of the scripture that Jesus said. And then they said he's a, that he was arisen, right? And so they go back. So how do you think the disciples felt when they heard that? They were full of faith. They were so excited. They started a prayer meeting and started worship. No, they didn't. They didn't do any of that. It says in verse 11, their words seemed like idle talk, fairy tales, and they did not believe them. Right? So, so here's Mary and the other, it, it, it's Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary. I love, how would you like to be in scripture be known as the other Mary? <laughs> there's Becky and the other Becky. Right, there's Bob and the other Bob. Wait, uh, what do you mean the other? But that's, there was Joanna and Salome. All these ladies come back excited about what they had just seen what they had just heard, and the disciples thought they were telling tales, full of faith. So I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for every time someone testified of you. Every time someone testified of you with their excitement and their joy, I had seen you or heard you, and I thought they were just telling idle tales. I said, Jesus, forgive me for that. Because too often my, my junior high substitute teacher attitude comes out. And I forget to think that Jesus, you do really good things. And you show yourself to people. And even though I may not have seen it, I, was, I might not have been there, but you're still so good. Mark, you'd think, oh, maybe that's not how it is, but Mark said the exact same thing. When Mary and the ladies came back, Mark said they didn't believe. So, you know, every time I come to Jesus and I bring my stuff to him and I expect to see him the way I want to see him, 
I'm just repackaging my doubt and my unbelief. I'm not coming with him. I'm not coming with an expectation of his goodness and his kindness. And if I have to, if I have to bring, take my stuff and, and bring, it into, bring it to his presence, expecting for him to fix something, then I'm just, I'm just trying to repackage my doubt. There's no faith there. I'm no different than the disciples who couldn't believe and thought it was a fairy tale. Well, Luke goes on in Luke 24 to say that Peter rose up. Thank you for Peter. Peter gets up, right? And he, he runs down there, right? John, in John's account, John the Beloved, in his account, it says that the other disciple whom Jesus loved, of course, John said it that way, <laughs> right? right? But John runs down there with them, and they're running to get to the tomb. And I, and I don't know how far from, it was far enough, because John, being younger, stronger, outran Peter to get there, right? I always imagine when I read that scripture that, that John gets there because he's so excited and he's, he's, he's younger. And he, he runs, like he runs past Peter, right? And he gets to the grave and he's, now, he's a little out of breath. So it says he stooped down and looked inside. I always think he's probably catching his breath, you know? And then Peter comes. So John doesn't go inside. He just stoops down and looks inside and sees. And he sees that the body's not there and that there's the, the garments, that the, 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 the wrappings are, are there. He just sees them, but he doesn't go inside. I always think he doesn't go inside because he was out of breath. He ran so fast in that. But Peter shows up. And you know Peter. He probably went by and shoved him out of the way to get inside first. And he gets, at least that's what I would have done. He gets inside and he looks at everything, right? And the scripture says he examines it, right? He looks at it carefully. He studies it. And he realizes that, that the garments are over here, the clothes, the wrappings are at this end. But the head covering, the handkerchief, as scripture said, is in a different spot. And it's been neatly folded and set there. So, I don't know, I have the luxury of scripture where I can look at all the scripture and figure and look at it and kind of break it down and, and that. And I can look at it and think, oh, that's because the Lord rose up in a glorified body. <laughs> he did, none of that mattered, but he just wanted to, you know, take care of the laundry. Just going to fold it up nice, set it over there, and make sure everybody saw it, right? That's one of those infallible proofs, right? He did something that he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he wanted the details. So he just kind of set everything together and said, ah, let's see if anybody notices what I'm doing, right? So they leave, right? It says... It says in that, that even when they came back, they didn't believe. They saw. It says Peter, I mean, John saw it and believed, but the next verse says that they did not remember the scripture, right? They didn't, which one is that? That's verse nine. And yet they did not know 
the scripture that he must be raised from the dead. So even though they saw all of that, they still weren't 100% convinced. They didn't know. That word to know is to be aware, to make known. It's to perceive. It's to have understanding. So they had, they, even though they looked at everything, they perceived it, they saw that it was neatly set aside, they still weren't sure. Right? So they go back to the upper room. A couple of guys, we don't know who they are. We know who one of them is. We get a name for Cleopas, but we don't get the other guy's name. Right? So they decide, they've heard the story. See, they had to have been there because they knew that Peter had had gone to see the, the tomb. So some time has passed, and they decide, well, we're going to go for a walk. We're going to go out to the country. We're going to take a walk. It's about seven miles to Emmaus, which is a, I don't know about you, I'm not taking a seven-mile walk to the next city, you know, unless I'm, unless I'm planning something. So they're leaving. They're out of here. Right? So in verse 13, it says that they, they left. Verse um, and they're having a conversation. They're walking along the way, these two, these two men, these two disciples, they're followers. They've been with Jesus long enough that they, they're, they're, they're part of this whole story and they know, the, they know everybody who's involved, right? And it says in verse 14, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. You know, and so I started, I was just listening and the Lord, I heard him say, sometimes you spend too much time talking about what happened, what's happening in the world, what's happening in your circumstances, what's happening that I can come right alongside and you're so caught up in the stuff, right? You're so caught up in all the stuff and the details that... You know, the next verse says that while they were having that conversation, and so it was while they were con- conversed in reason. That word reason is to, is to investigate jointly, right? And to dispute and question. The Lord said every time you dispute and question someone, what is some, someone else's journey, someone else's stuff, someone else's things, he goes, You're not, you, you wouldn't even know if I was there. Because the next verse says that Jesus himself drew near and went to them, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Man, I can think of lots of times where I'm sure he was right there in the midst of me, right there with me. I didn't, I, I could not see it because I was too caught up in the details of the, of the journey. So he says to them, basically, I'll paraphrase so what's happening and why are you guys talking about all this stuff and why are you sad? It never said they were sad, but obviously Jesus perceived their heart, perceived what they were in the midst of, the details of it, and he asked them, and why are you sad? And again, I kind of see Cleopas and the guys like look at him back at him and go, are you the only idiot in this town who doesn't know what just happened? Right? Are you the only one who doesn't know what's happened over these days? And Jesus looks at him and goes, well, what happened? He just wants to know. He wants you to, so what he's telling me, I'm in the midst of it, and he says, he goes, 
Just tell me your story. Just be honest. Tell me. And they, there they go. So they're like, oh, where'd this guy come from? You know, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, whom the prophets, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief, and I could see him getting a little bit, and how the chief priests and, the, and our rulers, and you always can find that if you, if you ever get in a place you're frustrated, blame the rulers. Can't say I've never done that delivered him and condemned him to death and crucified him. And it's, you see, they're both talking, so I can see the, the other guy. I kind of see the first verses, Cleopas. Then I see the other guy butt in on verse 21. He goes, and we were hoping, we were hoping that he would redeem Israel. See, he, he, they, these guys are in the midst of their journey, and they're just like, man. Indeed, beside this today, today, this is the third day, since all this has happened. All this has happened. And yes, there's certain women amongst us in our company who arrived at the tomb early. Why they got up early, I don't know. But they got up early and they astonished us. And they didn't, didn't find his body and they said that they had a vision of these angels. They thought they were men, but they were angels. And that he's alive. And certain of us Peter and John, had went down to the tomb and they found it just as the one I said. So they verified the, 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 the circumstance and the situation and they looked it over and they realized, but nobody saw him. Then Jesus just looks at him, I'm sure. Sure, they're walking along, you know, kicking a stone along the road, just head down, talking about all the stuff that's going on. Jesus is just waiting for a moment to interrupt these two. He's just waiting. I think of how many times I've been in the midst of my journey, in the midst of circumstances, maybe troubles, trials, tests, things that are pressuring on my faith. You know, and I didn't take time to remember. I just wanted to give him a little bit of time so that he could come in. And what's the first thing he says? He said it to me. I've heard this. I've heard this scripture plenty of times. Then he said to them, verse 25, Oh, foolish ones, slow to heart to believe in all that has been spoken by the prophets. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things to enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures concerning himself. He expounded. That word is to interpret. Jesus gave the first translation of all the scripture right there. And he's just from Moses. From the beginning, he went through the whole thing while they're walking along the way. You know, and I, I, I was, in the, when I was this week kind of praying about that, I was like, God, wouldn't it be great if Jesus would just expound the scripture to us? And he said, he said, I do. And he brought me to John 14. Verse 26, and it says in that, it says, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance of all things that I have said to you. So 
I just sat there a minute and, and I was, and I said, okay. Then Holy Spirit, first I want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for every time I thought, I thought I could understand the scripture on my own. I thought that I was smart enough. Obviously, these guys were standing, walking along the road with the glorified Jesus, right? And they couldn't see him, right? So I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for every time I didn't. I thought I could, thought I could understand you, perceive you on my own. Then I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for every single time you came alongside. You came alongside and you taught me you listened. You spoke, you spoke Jesus' words back to me. You reminded me of all, of all your scripture that pertains to Jesus, just like Jesus did to these guys. And you know the, the, the rest of that story as they go along and they, they keep walking and they finally get to, to where they're going. They get to the house and Jesus kind of motions like, ah, I'm, I'm going to keep going, Right? And they say, no, don't, don't. Stay with us. It's, look, it's getting late. The day's almost over. We're going we're gonna to get something to eat, and then we're going to crash. Why don't you hang out with us? So Jesus kind of says, okay, I will. And they get some bread, some, some, who knows what else. They probably had fish, glass of wine sitting there. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops in the middle of them serving the food. And he picks up the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And in that moment, immediately, they saw who it was. They knew it. They knew it, right? And then all of a sudden, he vanishes. And you would have thought at that moment, they would have just panicked, right? They would have, they would, but no, they didn't. All of a sudden, they look at each other and they say, remember while he was walking with us how our hearts burned? How he was teaching us and telling us? And then these guys who were walking along the road, perplexed, done, hopeless, helpless, trying to untangle the fairy tales that they've been told and they're probably, again, kicking a rock along the road. Now they get up, right? They look at one another and then they, 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 they rose up, verse 33, they rose up that very hour and returned and found the 11 and told them all that had happened. So seven, it took them a part of a day to walk seven miles but they rose up that very hour and ran back seven miles. Came to the upper room, found the 11, right? They found the 11 and they had told them that the Lord is risen indeed, right? And, 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 that, and it appeared to Simon and that they told him the things that had happened along the road and how they was known to them. Known, that word is gnoso. That means they had an understanding, an intimate understanding of who he was at that moment in the breaking of bread. And again, you would have thought that at that point, everybody would have broke into excitement, right? Everybody would have believed these two. Nope. 
Mark 16 says that, that when they returned in 16:13, when they returned and told the rest, they didn't believe them either. Right? They didn't believe me either. Crazy. I got to finish up. But we'll... In John's... Uh, I'll just read from John 20, in verse 19. So all this has happened now from early in the morning until basically towards the end of the day. These guys have run back. Remember, it was almost dark when they were coming to Emmaus, but now they ran back. So it's ten, the end of the day is coming. And it says in, in John 20, verse 19, then that same day at evening, being the, same, the first day of the week, so it's still Easter Sunday, it's still, you know, then the, when the doors were shut and the, with the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Right? And then he says, he shows them his hands and his feet and his disciples, and they were glad they'd seen the Lord. And so they said to them again, he comes, he, he, he's looking at them, but they're still... the. The other, Luke's gospel says they're still a little bit unsure. They're excited, but they're not fully confident yet. So he says it again, peace be with you, right? Then he breathes on them. says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive sin of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain sin of any, they are retained. So the king, when Jesus came into their midst, the first thing he gave them is peace. He spoke over them peace. Right? So the hallmark of the kingdom, right, of anything pertaining to the kingdom is it comes with peace. So I don't know how many times I thought I was hearing God, but my soul was a mess. Right? I could not find peace in the midst of it. And that the hallmark of the kingdom, the hallmark of Jesus being in your midst is peace. And then the next thing is he breathes on them which I believe at that point there, they became born again, right? Because he says to them, if you forgive sin, right? He's not going to tell sinners to forgive sin. He's telling them, if you forgive sin. So the second thing that's in the kingdom is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Anytime God gives you peace and he's speaking to you, he's probably going to deal with any place that you're holding unforgiveness. He wants you to deal with unforgiveness of others and for myself, always for myself. Remember, the kingdom of God in Romans 14 says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So anytime you come into the kingdom, anytime that the Spirit of the Lord's with you, anytime Jesus is in your midst, you're going to have righteousness, everything's okay peace can be settled into where he's at. Enjoy. You're going to be excited that he's there. Right? And you're going to have the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's the kingdom. In Luke's gospel, he says the same thing. He says, peace be with you. Um, I'll just 
just read this one scripture and then we'll close. In Luke 24, in verse 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, and all these things must be fulfilled and written as in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their eyes, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend scripture. I believe that the, that, that the season we're in, the season we're in, we've been, been reading scripture. I encourage you, if you're, if, if, you're, if you're not reading the scriptures, then to grab the schedule and, and that. Don't get caught in the, don't get caught in the having to get caught up. Today, Hebrews says, Hebrews 4 says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of the rebellion. Do not worry about today. Take today. Read today's scripture, right? And ask God what he's speaking. But I believe he's opening our eyes to understand scripture. He's opening them. And you might be out there and say, well, I already understand scripture. Okay, you understand scripture for yesterday. And I always thought, well, I understand what the scripture says. But, I, but, but now when I read the scripture, I read the scripture asking, asking God, what are you saying to me today? What I had yesterday is old manna. I want to hear your voice today. I want you to speak to me today about what you're doing and what you're saying. So if we could stand, I'm just going to pray and bless us. And then we'll go on our way. So Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you come to each and every person here today and online. You come to each and every one of us exactly where we're at. You come right in the midst of our doubt and our unbelief. You come right in the midst of our journey, whether we're on the road or whether we're peering into a, an empty tomb. You come and meet with us. And I thank you today. I thank you for your goodness that comes alongside of our journey and reveal yourself. And I thank you that your first words are peace. I, sp I speak now over all of Jubilee, over the house of Jubilee, by the Holy Spirit, that the peace of God would reign in your heart and in your mind, and it would guard your heart and your mind inside of Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you then speak you spoke to the disciples about their about forgiveness. So, Father, I thank you that you would now pour out over every single person your righteousness and your peace and your joy that comes by the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you are causing us to understand your scripture, that no one needs to teach us. You're the teacher by the Holy Spirit, and you give us understanding. So today we want to hear your voice. We want to, we want to know what you're saying. And Father, I thank you for the, just the last point. The last thing is that after that, you went and met the disciples in Galilee. They were on a fishing trip. And you met them. And you spoke to them. And I want you to speak to every single person here about your love 
love of God that's been poured out in their heart. You asked Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So today, as you're pouring out your love over each person in that, Father, help us to then take and have that corresponding place to help others. Freely we receive your love and freely we can give it away. So help us today. Help us today to share the love of God to someone else. Jesus, that's what you, that's what you said is following you. It's laying down your life. So I thank you for that. Help us in that, Jesus, to share you, to share the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen.